If you want to take your vehicle's performance to new heights, you got to give it peak. Like our original equipment technology, antifreeze and coolant, our formulas match the vehicle manufacturer's technology requirements so that we have the perfect match for every vehicle. That's one reason why Peak is among the fastest growing brands of coolant in America. We work harder to earn the trust of people like you every day. That's Peak Performance. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Promenade Middle East. I'm your Middle East correspondent, Megan Cohen, and I'm so sorry to go on another hiatus there for a little while. My laptop broke once again, and I promise that I am not making this up. My laptop has now broken four times in two years, which is pretty unacceptable, but we are back as long as this thing can hold up for more than a month at a time. I'd also really quickly like to mention that we are aware of and closely monitoring the situation in Afghanistan. However, it will not be a topic of today's briefing. Instead, we will be releasing a special narrative briefing shortly to review the history of the country, U.S. relations with it, and the most recent events in terms of withdrawal. It breaks my heart to see what is going on on the ground right now, and I think it deserves much, much more attention than a short paragraph embedded in another briefing. But for now, let's get on with the news from the Middle East over the past week. All right, so this is a bit of an older story, but definitely deserves a mention before moving on and does continue into recent weeks as well. New President Raisi of Iran named his cabinet earlier this month. The cabinet is a group of 19, now 18, but we'll get into that later, conservative-leaning men, of course, most of whom have former political and military experience. Some notable figures include Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdullahian, who reportedly has close relations with the IRGC, Javad Alji, former Deputy Oil Minister and Managing Director of the state-run National Iranian Gas Company, is to serve as Oil Minister, Ahmad Vahidi, a former Defense Minister and Head of the Quds Force, is the Interior Minister. Vahidi is actually also wanted by the Argentine justice system for his suspected involvement in the 94 attack on the IMIA, which killed 85 and injured hundreds. Deputy for Economic Affairs Mohsen Razai also had an Interpol warrant set out for his involvement in the AMIA attack and was a former commander-in-chief of the IRGC. It is very hard to imagine that he will not use his new position to direct a higher level of economic funds towards the paramilitary group. Esmael Khatib, a cleric who previously served as the head of the Judiciary's Intelligence Unit, is slated as Intelligence Minister. On Wednesday, all but one of his 19 cabinet members were confirmed by Parliament. The only one to be denied was the President's pick for Education Minister, who was seen as relatively young and inexperienced. The cabinet's first meeting was held on Thursday, where Raisi told the cabinet that Iran is seriously lagging behind and that they must work to improve the people's livelihoods. Now, we'll see if they can actually accomplish this, especially with a fifth wave of COVID and wide-scale water and energy protests sweeping the country. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Khamenei slammed the JCPOA participants on Saturday, saying that, quote, predatory wolf, end quote, Joe Biden is no different than his predecessor, Donald Trump. He also argued that the European countries involved in negotiations are no better than their American counterpart. Iran has yet to set a date for the next round of Vienna talks, but new Foreign Minister Amir Abdullahian alluded Monday night that it will be at least two to three months, as the new government needs time to settle and plan. The Foreign Minister did, however, have a call with his EU counterpart, Joseph Borrell, on Friday. 
And in terms of negotiations within the Middle East, however, Iran is actually faring much more steadily, as Amir Abdullahian revealed Monday that he spoke to Saudi Foreign Minister Faisal bin Farhan al-Saud at a regional summit in Baghdad. Saudi Arabia and Iran began secret talks in Baghdad in April, but temporarily stopped while the new government settled. With this positive news from Amir Abdullahian, it seems like negotiations may soon resume. But overall, this is just another we'll-see moment here in terms of whether these talks will actually work to alleviate the regional Cold War between the two powers or not. Jumping to news out of Israel now, or specifically out of Washington, D.C. as well, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett held his first meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden last Tuesday. We know, according to a statement from Prime Minister Bennett's office, that the two discussed Iran, the COVID-19 pandemic, and the global economy. President Biden said that the two have become close friends and even gave a verbal commitment to ensuring that Iran never goes nuclear. Interesting quote related to that, the main disagreement between the U.S. and Israel at the summit seems to have been that, as explained by an aide of Prime Minister Bennett's, quote, the U.S. can afford for Iran to be a breakout state, Israel cannot, end quote. This clearly emphasizes Israel's commitment to the prevention of Iran gaining a nuke, which we kind of already knew, but Biden also acknowledged that a military option is on the table if need be. Domestically, Israel has begun to offer COVID-19 booster shots to every citizen 12 and up. Top health officials in the country argue that the effectiveness of specifically the second Pfizer dose wanes after about six months. The booster shots, which have been available to those who are immunocompromised or elderly for weeks now, have been effective against the Delta variant in Israel. And more news on meetings from Israeli officials. Defense Minister Gantz held an extremely rare meeting with the Palestinian authorities Mahmoud Abbas this week. I say extremely rare, as it has been actually over a decade since any Israeli official has met with Abbas, so I'll happily go on record saying that, at least, this seems like a good sign for relations between the new government and the PA, especially since Prime Minister Bennett has had a bit of a history smearing Abbas to reporters. There was, of course, backlash against the meeting, but Defense Minister Gantz still greenlighted a $155 million loan to the PA following the meeting. On the Gaza border, however, the news has not been as positive as clashes have resulted in deaths on both sides this week. For two weeks in a row, Hamas-backed protests against the blockade of the Strip began as protesters hurled explosives at IDF soldiers, who then responded with live fire. Last weekend, Gazan health officials reported that two protesters, specifically a 12-year-old boy and a member of the military wing of Hamas, were killed by soldiers and an Israeli soldier shot at point-blank range by a protester succumbed to his injuries on Monday. In response, however, Israel did announce on Thursday that they would ease blockade restrictions to allow for more goods and equipment to pass into Gaza. Similarly, Egypt, the other country that maintains the Gaza blockade, partially reopened the Rafah border crossing to one-way traffic into Gaza. Moving to Qatar now, Qatar has received the first batch of the promised F-15 QA combat jets from the United States after an unveiling ceremony at Boeing's HQ in Missouri this week. The deal to acquire these heavily anticipated planes was signed back in 2017 after a feud between Qatar and other Gulf states, including the Saudis and Emiratis, as well as Egypt. On Tuesday, Syrian rebels began leaving the southern province of Dara 
as part of a Russian-negotiated truce agreement. Dara has been one of the worst-hit regions of the Syrian civil war, as the internally displaced person's numbers are incredibly high, and it had once been a rebel stronghold. The rebels evacuating the region will be bused to the rebel-held north, while any who choose to stay will be required to give up their weapons. And from one civil war to another, fighting in Yemen escalated this week as at least 30 pro-government troops were killed and at least 56 injured as a result of a Houthi strike on the Al-Anad airbase about 40 miles north of Aden on Sunday. And with that, that's your news from the Middle East this week. Once again, I'm your Promenade Media Middle East correspondent, Megan Cohen, signing off for today. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and for supporting us here at Promenade. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.